Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Mike Smith Show podcast. This is your one-stop shop for all the latest happenings in B.C. From breaking news and developing stories to giving the big headlines a closer look, the Mike Smith Show is here to keep you dialed in and up to date. Let's begin. British Columbians know uh, that right now we are facing the worst wildfire season in our province's history. As a result of this rapid deterioration, we are declaring a provincial state of emergency to ensure that we have rapid access to any tools that we may need to respond to this situation. As Premier David Eby speaking on the weekend, calling that state of emergency in British Columbia. We also have the travel restrictions that have kicked in in BC. Do not travel to these fire areas for non-essential purposes. And we're watching closely the air quality deteriorating, especially in the interior of the province. Lots of smoke in the skies over Metro too. We continue our coverage here now. Let's check in with Daryl Schultz. Uh, Daryl was evacuated from his home in West Kelowna. I'm very pleased to welcome him. Daryl, thank you for coming on. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you for having a chat with me. Yeah, I appreciate it, Daryl, and I'm sorry for the trauma you're going through here. Can, can you tell me, where where did you get evacuated to? Where are you staying? Uh, I'm staying at the Delta Grand right now. They got me a room there for, I got it tonight and tomorrow night left uh four days four nights at uh at the delta grand and uh pretty it's a good place to be yeah what what happens after that you got somewhere to go after that nope no i have nowhere to go after that i'm not sure what i'm gonna do uh i'm kind of overwhelmed so yeah you know it's pretty tough yeah, I know you've gone through real difficult trauma here, and the viewers may have seen you on, on Global News uh, when you were being interviewed by Cass, Cassidy Mosconi, who is a global reporter who will be talking to me here soon. And you got the you actually got the terrible news there that you're like the the house that you lived in burned down, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, when did you get so, When did you get evacuated? Can you describe how that all went down? Like, when did you get the news to move, and how much time did you have to get out of there? I was kind of slow because I didn't really want to get out, but uh, I got pushed out. Uh, it came over the hill very fast, and uh, it was within an hour or two. Uh, it was gone, you know, like it came over the hill from the other side of the mountain and uh, came down so fast. Uh, I didn't have a chance to really get anything all of a sudden, it was rush, rush, rush. Get yourself and get out. So, I know you got out of there with your dog, right? Yeah, I got out with my dog, a few peaches, and a basket of laundry clothes, and that's it. That's it. Okay, and, and uh, you and I, you and I were talking on the weekend, Daryl, and you're telling me you were seeing in a rental home, and the, the home, the home is gone, right? It's, it's, it, has that been confirmed? It's, it's burned down. Yeah. Yeah, everything yeah. I had uh, is gone there. Uh, I had another car 
uh, it's melted away and yeah, every, pretty well everything's gone. It is all gone, other than what I got out of there with. Daryl, I'm, I'm I'm sorry for the troubles that you're going through, but I know that there's been people reaching out to try and help you, right? Apparently, yeah. I I had had one person this morning off offered me a, a suite when, but they're evacuated right now too, still. But. Yeah. Uh, you know uh, who's who? What's going to happen? I don't know yet. I'm, I'm like I said, I'm pretty well overwhelmed with things to get done. The, what what I, where I'm going to live? Or just yeah, just a lot on my plate here. Yeah, Daryl, I'll, I'll let you get back to to planning your next moves. And I'm sorry for what's happened to you. I'm glad that you and your dog got out of there. Thanks for talking well, I, to us today. And I appreciate your concern for me and everyone else out there. Thank you very much. You bet. Thank you, Daryl. It's Daryl Schultz there uh, in Kelowna. And one of the many people who lost their homes, he was living in a rental home there in West Kelowna. It burned down. He lost all his stuff. He did manage to get out of there, staying in a hotel, and he's not sure what's going to happen after that. And that is just a snapshot there for you for the thousands of people who've been evacuated from their homes, uh, people who have lost their homes, people who don't know whether the home is, their home is burned down or not as we continue to have the travel restrictions and the evacuation orders. Let's check in with Greg Kylo now, BC United MLA in Shuswap, which is one of the worst hit parts of the province here with wildfires. Greg, thank you for coming on. Hey, thank you very much for having me on your show. Yeah, you bet, Greg. Thank you. And, and you have to feel for people who have lost their homes, and I know this has happened to people in your community as well. Greg, what are you hearing there? Yeah, it's absolutely been a terrifying week for countless communities just throughout BC, but especially here in the North Shushwap, uh, families that have been displaced from their homes. Uh, it's been incredibly challenging, and, uh, you know, as we're seeing uh, BC wildfire crews and emergency service health personnel trying to rally around and, and regroup after the terrifying uh, events of Friday and Saturday. Uh, I was in contact actually with the EOC this morning and they indicated that, uh, you know, thankfully we had cooler temperatures overnight and with a bit of rain on the forecast, uh, we're so certainly hoping that uh, it'll give the respite that's needed and time to kind of really uh, bolden up that front and, and be able to keep uh, any further flames from reaching these communities. Now, the good news here is we don't have any reports of loss of life here, and I guess one thing that we've gotten we've gotten pretty good at here in BC is getting the word out and getting people evacuated and getting them out of the way of the path of the flames. But I know there were some close calls too, especially in the shoe swap and people trying to get out of there, and some people even evacuating by by boat. What what kind of stories have you heard? Yeah, I uh, actually spoke to uh, the Little Shoe Swap Band uh, Chief uh, Jamie Toma on. Uh, on Friday evening, and uh, and he was sharing with me how the, you know the fire came through with just such a force and vengeance that uh, that he and his brothers who were trying to protect their family home uh, absolutely had to flee. Uh, they were one of their, a number of the individuals that were evacuated by boat. I think uh, you know even the BC Wildfire Service had about a 300 man camp that was stationed uh, in Squilax, and uh, and they lost that camp. Uh, so you know if you think about the magnitude of the BC Wildfire Service losing an asset as large as a 300-man camp, I think it kind of shows a bit of the magnitude and the fierce and velocity of that fire as it came uh, towards the community of Scotch Creek and yeah. Solista. 
yeah, boy, those communities um, are, were really in the path of this this giant fire here that merged into one big giant inferno that swept through the region there on on the weekend. What do you guys need there? Like, what are you hearing from officials? What do you need? Like, are people paying attention to the evacuation orders and the travel orders? Yeah, I think the large majority are. There are always are a few holdouts, people that uh, that want to stay behind and protect their homes, and uh, you know certainly. Uh, that's that, that's concerning to many of the BC wildfire officials. Like you know, the Shuswap is a bit of a different animal, and the majority of people living there do have boats, so they do have alternative means of egress. Certainly not yeah. in any way supporting it, but it is a different animal than it would be as if you're at the end of you know a one-lane road per se. Um, but uh, you know, emotions are running high, patience running thin, and we know when that happens, relationships are strained. But uh, you know, I can tell you that uh, I've been in regular contact with the EOC, and they're doing everything they can to try and help reestablish services to that area. Uh, there's other communities in the North Shushwap, communities of Anglemont and St. Ives and Seymour Arm. Uh, although they're only under an evacuation alert, they're pretty much cut off from the rest of the community because of the impact on that uh, Anglemont Squilax Road that uh, has been shut down largely on account of these wildfires ravaging through the community of Scotch Creek. Yeah, and we heard about the you know the thousands of people have been displaced from their homes, and we just talked to Daryl Schultz who lost his home. He's he's got a few days set up in a hotel in Kelowna, but man, people have to make do and and find somewhere to stay if they're if they're out of their homes. That's why we've got this travel restriction in place so people don't take up hotel rooms and Airbnb rooms. Are are you what are you hearing in that regard? Like, are people finding a place to stay if they don't have somewhere to stay? Is there somewhere they can go? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, uh, you know, when the Quail Lodge was shut down, uh, they did uh, uh, pivot and set up an emergency center and a, a reception center actually in Salmon Arm at the Fifth Avenue Senior Center. Um, from what I understand is that all individuals that presented themselves at the Salmon Arm uh, Center uh, were able to be assisted and find accommodation right within the local, local area. Uh, there's also a reception center set up in Revelstoke and as well as in Kamloops. So, you know, I think uh, they've largely had the appropriate staff so that people get timely access. I did get an email last night from an individual uh, in Kelowna that indicated that uh, the uh, act, uh, reception center there had a lineup of upwards of 700 people waiting in line. And, uh, you know, just imagine 700 people in line waiting to try and find out where they're going to be spending the night, where they're going to get their food vouchers, those sort of things. Uh, are certainly uh, extremely challenging. Uh, we did not see that same uh, issue here in the shoe swap, however. Greg, thank you for taking the time today. It's, I know it's busy for you. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you so much. Okay, we continue to follow the wildfire state of emergency in British Columbia. The evacuation order, thousands of people have been evacuated from their homes. Thousands more are on alert. The air quality problems that we're seeing throughout, uh, especially the southern interior, causing lots of problems as well, including for fighting the fires. Let's, we've been talking a lot about the Shuswap region of the province there where there was a, just a blazing inferno just thundered through there on the weekend. Let's check in now with Shelby Wilson. Shelby is a popular content creator on TikTok. I encourage you to give her a follow on there. you got like 190,000 followers on, on TikTok, but right now her biggest consideration is her family in the shoe swap and i'm very pleased to welcome shelby shelby thank you for coming on 
Yeah, thank you for having me. Okay, I appreciate it a lot. So let, let's yeah, talk yeah. about where where you are. Where are you right now? Where do you normally live? Uh, I'm based out of uh, Vancouver right now, uh, but yeah. my family has a house in Chishwa. Yes. Okay. And I've been I've been following your updates on your on your TikTok here for the last couple of days. So Shelby, let's talk a little bit about that. So where are your where is your family located in the Shuswap? So they're about I would say about five point two kilometers from Salista and in between I guess closer to Magna Bay. So yeah. the fire is pretty close. I thought like our fortunately our place did survive, um, but uh, that wasn't for many others. So it's been tragic but it came close so <laughs> oh yeah you are right in the you're right in ground zero there are very close to it for some of the worst of the fire what what are you hearing from from your your friends and neighbors in the region what kind of stories are they telling you uh so my father is still up there with his friends uh who also have a place so they have no power right now so it's uh for the people who didn't get evacuated uh they're struggling a little bit just with no power um, so I'm, I'm hearing great stories though. I heard that, uh, there's a food truck called BTs and they're feeding fire, firefighters, volunteers, and the public. And then you mm. have like other great, uh, people like who own the Raven store. It's a clothing store and they're actually on the ground, uh, volunteering and fighting like the spot fires, um, that are still going on. So even though the fire did pass through, there's a lot of concern. I did talk to my dad this morning. So he said there's a lot of spot fires uh, above our cabin. And right now the wind is in our favor. So it's not necessarily blowing it towards us or any of the neighbors. Um, but that could change, right? So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is every, like how many, how many people are without, like is everybody without power up there? Yes, there's no power yeah. at all. Um, but uh, there's a lot of people who are driving over from the other side with donations, and it's yeah, it's 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 devastating and beautiful to watch a community come together. So yeah, um, yeah, and and but, this is a beautiful this is a beautiful area of our province. I mean, in the summertime there, it's just kind of like summertime heaven at the best of times. But it's been very difficult. The last few days, obviously, of course, and for a lot of people there with this sort of unique geography of the lake there, like, have you heard about people just getting out of there by boat? Yeah, everyone was escaping by boat because um, geographically, when you enter, you, uh, the fire kind of <laughs> blocked off, I guess, the entrance and the exit as well. So a lot of people were forced to either go up the logging roads, but the problem was that a lot of people that my dad told me got stuck or lost. And then the, there was just a lot of panic. So people were just trying to get across the lake by anyone who was helping them. Yeah. And are people trying to save, like you mentioned, your dad is still up there. Some of, some of your dad's friends are there as well. Like, are they under an evacuation order or have they been? Uh, yeah. I mean, the RCMP did force them uh, out, uh, hmm. but uh, right now they're kind of just, they're not even letting my dad drive around. Um, I know on TikTok people were who uh, have properties up there or have family up there were asking if I could get my dad to drive around and check on their places. But uh, right now, currently, uh, they're not really letting, I guess, on our side, uh, drive around too much. I'm, yeah. I'm not too sure about Creek, um, but in the Salista kind of Magna 
Bay Area, just because I guess there is uh, a lot of, uh, you know, spot fires around. They're uh, keeping it pretty controlled right now. So I think my dad's issue is uh, he doesn't want to leave because he's afraid he can't get back in. So. Yeah, man, this is like a tough situation for for so many people. Like a lot of people, they've got that they've got that getaway option by boat. Yeah. People might be tempted to stay and maybe take overlook their overlook their properties. Like, and then you've got neighbors helping neighbors, right? So, Shelby, tell me a little bit about that because I've heard about a lot of people in that community there in the shoe swap coming together, helping each other, helping people escape by boat or any other way they can get yeah. out of there. Are you hearing a lot of that? Yeah, my dad, uh, Friday night when it got really bad, did uh, take someone over from Solista. Unfortunately, that man's house did burn down. Oh. Uh, and then uh, on the way back, he did drive another person in from Solista. And uh, good news, like happy news, his his house survived. So that was kind of nice to see. Yeah. Yeah. And then for, and then people are generous as well. And there, you touched briefly on this, there are places where people are making, making donations or our yeah. local businesses helping out too. Tell me a little yeah. bit about that. So Raven store is one of uh, the, like one of the, those guys are great. They're uh, yeah. donations. They're leaving it out in their driveway from what I've seen. Um, BT's food truck is feeding everyone as much as they can. I mean, everyone's on generators or if they're lucky or fortunate. So, um, that's a good thing. And then I've seen, um, Cisco has delivered food to Finns, which is across the lake and they're asking for people to help boat it over. So there's lots of, you know, good things happening, but it's yeah. still major struggle for people out there in that community. Raven, thank or Shelby, thank you for coming on with an update. I hope your family remain continues to remain safe, and I appreciate your time today. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for letting me speak, speak about this. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. That is Shelby Wilson, and talking about her dad, who is in shoe swap right now. Uh, some people choose chose to stay behind, uh, trying to save their property. Others are pitching in to help people escape by boat. So there's a lot going on up there in that shoe swap region. There are people without power, uh, people running on generators if they have one. Okay, let's check in now with Global News reporter. Alyssa Carpenter, very pleased to welcome Alyssa to the show. Alyssa, thank you for coming on today. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it a lot. Where are you located right now? So right now I am in Blind Bay. Uh, oh. There is a, a restaurant, marina resort, a, a small cafe, a large cafe actually called Finns. And there has been a massive, massive mobilization of local people. Uh, they put out the call on Facebook and said, that basically, um, you know, across the lake, there are communities that are starting to not have fuel for those generators. There are uh, freezers full of food, ground beef, those kinds of things that, you know, uh, are going to go bad if they can't get some power, keep those freezers going. Um, so they mobilized this entire group. There must have been about 50 people here. There were trucks uh, and boats coming across the lake, people putting their boats in the water to take non-perishable food, big tanks of water, bottled water, all of those kind of essentials across to uh, some of those communities. And the RCMP had uh, come in and told them that they were not allowed to, to do this. So there was a truck from Cisco Foods that had been donated. They saw the, the call on Facebook. The, the truck was supposed to come here and be loaded to all of these boats 
and instead they turn that truck around. So it's now going to go in uh, by driving instead of all of that food going in by boat. So the good news is the food is still going to get there at some point today. The bad news is that this uh, big, huge community mobilization was essentially shut down. Oh, man. Okay, well, that's really interesting to, to hear because and that's got to be frustrating for people. Uh, on the other, I can sort of see the RCMP point of view on it, too. I mean, they're trying to protect people and make sure they don't get in trouble with these fires. But when you take a look at sort of the unique geography of the area with Shoe Swap Lake, a lot of these properties are accessible by boat. So you'd think that maybe that, that you know, the lake could be a bit of a lifeline for people. Absolutely. And I think that that's yeah. how it was um, meant, you know, to be was was this is the quickest route across. Right. Yeah. Um, but but the official word that's come down is that after several days of not being able to put much aircraft up and, and trying to attack this thing from above that they hope to do that today when this smoke clears out when there's some more visibility of course you can't be gathering water from the lake or doing drops if there are boats out there so it is a safety issue um but the other side of that coin is there are a lot of people here who are saying look at the sky right now it is it is absolutely too smoky to put those planes up so why not let us go across while we have time drop off these supplies and uh then you know, we can get off the water when we know the bombers are coming. So I think a part of it has been that this was very much a, an ad hoc sort of Facebook organized thing. They uh, they did their best, the organizers, to talk to, um, you know, the the districts on both sides and make sure that everybody knew what was going on. But at the last minute, yeah, we, we watched uh, an RCMP member come in basically block the entrance into this parking lot and tell everyone i'm i'm really sorry but we're going to send that truck uh, on its wheels instead of taking everything out of that truck and sending it over by boat oh man okay what a very difficult situation there on, on the ground for sure speaking to Alyssa carpenter from global news she's in the shoe swap region right now in the fire zone and, and what is the fire status there right now because i know that on the weekend man that that fire got huge yeah, well, two fires basically merged over the weekend and became one mega fire. Uh, I spoke with uh, Forest Tower from BC Wildfire Services earlier this morning, and he said that he expected today was going to be another all-out fight, an exhausting day. Uh, they were, as I said, hoping to get some aerial support today, depending on what the winds do and whether this smoke clears out. Uh, they have people, you know, on the... Uh, the, the front lines, dousing hot spots, you know, churning up any dirt, trying to mo- keep this thing at bay as best they can. But it's, uh, as far as we know, not considered contained just yet. Yeah, and especially with that air quality the way it is, it's not only difficult for, for breathing, I'm sure, in the, in the area there right now, but like you said, it's difficult to get the, the firefighting gear up into the air to fight the fires. Like, are, are some of those... Are some of the firefighting uh, aircraft grounded right now because of the smoke? Yeah, that's what we understand is they've been uh, unable. There are, there are helicopters in Kamloops that are willing and ready to go, but they've been unable to send them up over the past few days just simply because of the visibility. They have certain parameters. I, I Don't quote me. I don't know how many kilometers of visibility it is, but there are certain parameters that under Canadian rules you just can't put those aircraft up. On top of that, a lot of uh, the pilots, would be from private contracted companies. So they also are under an obligation to follow whatever the Canadian guidelines are. Right, right. 
Alyssa, busy day for you again. Thank you for taking the time. Keep up the great work. Stay safe. Thanks a lot. Thanks very much. Have a great day. been wall-to-wall wildfire coverage on the show today. The emergency order in place on the weekend, the travel restrictions that came down from the province as well. Talked about some of the rescue efforts that continue to go on, the homes that have been lost in the communities affected, the ongoing threats in places like the Shoe Swap. So we continue to keep a focus on uh, that on CKNW today. Make sure you keep it locked here all day long for continuing coverage of this situation. At the top of this hour, quick programming note for you, live coverage of a news conference here. Provincial officials will update on the wildfire situation and the state of emergency here in British Columbia. Okay, there is other news going on, though. Let's talk about the situation at BC Ferries. Uh, again, we got mechanical problems with one of the ships. This was happened last week. The Coastal Renaissance ship out for service. These repairs could take weeks, not days, according to the CEO of BC Ferries. Uh, this is the second coastal class ship to experience some mechanical problems recently. Let's check in with Paula White now. Paula is the vice president, BC Ferry and Marine Workers Union. Hi, Paula. Thank you for coming on today. Thanks, Mike, for having us. Yeah, you bet. I appreciate it a lot. What kind of impact does this have when a ship like this is out of service for, for weeks here, the coastal renaissance? Um, it's a pretty major impact for our membership. Uh, taking it off a major route, especially a route that was supposed to be a, a bump-up route this year, they put a third boat on Route 30, which is the Tawakon Dew Point run, to help alleviate some of the traffic going from Horseshoe Bay to Departure Bay. Uh, and taking this boat, which is really supplemental when they have re- really wanted to rely on it this summer, to help alleviate some of the pressures on the other routes and it going down. Now, being this into the summer coming up to a long weekend is going to be, it's going to be difficult. If the reservation space has, was held really high on that route, they now have to try and make room for those reserved people on other ships, which is going to really, really limit the amount of space available to get to the island and off the island. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a tough situation for sure. Uh, and Paula, what is the deal with these coastal coastal class ships? Because the coastal Renaissance this is the second of the C class ferries that have have suffered mechanical problems here in the in the last few weeks. What is what is happening there? I know these ships were built in Germany. Um, why are they having so many problems? Um, well, they are. I mean, <laughs> I'm a hardcore BCer, so I mean, my favorite ships have been the ones that have built in BC. Uh, these were the first sort of major project built outside of um, BC for us. Uh, it's harder to source parts for these ships. Uh, I don't believe even the company that made the ships are is even still around. Uh, they're, I don't know, they were not the same par, um, probably ships that we're used to. Uh, parting them is very difficult. Uh, one of my uh, presidents at the table uh, has mentioned to um, the ministry, uh, to Rob Fleming, Minister Fleming, about the fact that when you do buy ships overseas, that you really need to be able to source the parts here in North America. In Canada, U.S., 
if you can source the parts here, it's way easier to um, fix the ships if they do have issues. I think we also see a lack of perhaps investment in our refits where uh-huh. we would have, you know, in the old days, the refits used to be quite a bit longer over the last couple of years, at least since, well, even pre-COVID times, we had shortened refit um, cycles. So yeah. I'm not yeah. sure that the maintenance um, because of the budget being allowed is still up to the same quality as we used to have. That's very, that's very interesting to hear. I'm speaking to Paula White, Vice President of the BC Ferry Workers Union. And I spoke earlier, Paula, to your colleague, Eric McNeely, the President of the Union on an earlier show. And we talked mm-hmm. about the same issue here, some of the problems that uh, we've experienced in keeping these these ships in repair and in service. And here's what he had to say to me on an earlier show that I want to get your thoughts. So this is the, the President of the U- Ferry Workers Union, Eric McNeely, on a show recently. Let's listen have been condensed a bit, and we think that may be uh, a contributing factor. If there's more time and more skill sets available, then there's a, there's an ability to ensure less things uh, surprise you. There's a lot of stress on our, our members right now trying to get those vessels into, into shape. Okay. So he touched briefly on sort of a similar issue that you just did, and he talked about the maintenance as being, being compressed, as he put it, and condensed on, on some of these ships. What does that mean? Like there, there's less maintenance going into the ships now? Is that what's going on? Um, essentially, it used to be pretty normal. It, uh, I'm a long, long-term employee. I've been there for 27 years. It used to be very normal for our boats to be taken out and put into dry dock and completely, basically redone every reset season. Now we're seeing more maintenance um, take place within uh, their locations and not so much dry docking as we used to have. Uh, We are also um, getting qualified trades has also been a difficulty for the ferries. I know they have had to contract out um, services such as heavy duty mechanics and such to other groups because they have had a hard time attracting them. The thing is, as well, is to get these boats out within the time, they are basically a lot of times exhausting our members. They will be working extremely long hours uh, and long periods of time without a break, like just even normal days off to get these boats out of um, refit. And so with with such a small season, they're is difficulties. The graving dock issues also come into play when, you know, recently found out that we did put out to tender for um, shipping companies, Vancouver Dry Dock, uh, Victoria Graving, to to take in some of our boats, and we only got an answer back from one of them. So there wasn't much choice for us to where we put the boats when we're only getting back one um, availability that works with us. So... You know, the infrastructure to be even allowed to do this in BC is definitely highly competitive. Uh, Of course, we take out um, ships from the Navy, use the Squivalt Graving Dock. The Coast Guard um, also is another place that uses the same graving dock facilities as we do. So there is a lot of competition out there. The shipbuilding industry, as we know in BC, has kind of crumbled. Um, I, I won't point fingers at any one particular government because both governments have really failed to, as a coastal uh, 
you know, province. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shipping is very uh, big industry, yet we have very little structure in place for education, for for the facilities to maintain these boats, and even building these boats in BC. Right. Speaking of Paula White, BC Ferry Workers Union, just a couple of minutes left here. Paula, let, let's talk about the mm-hmm. the wage negotiations that are going on between the union and the employer. And there's kind of a unique clause in your contract there that allows a, a wage reopening. So the contract's still in place, but you have an opportunity here to discuss a, a, a raise. What is the status of that? What kind of raise are you guys looking for? Oh, well, I will say that we are looking for the ability for people to live off of their wage in these coastal communities. Uh, right now, with rents being as high as they are, and even the ability to save up for a mortgage, um, our wages do not cut that. We also do not, we do have gaps within many of our our ranks, whether it's deckhands, whether it's officers, um, even in catering. Uh, the ability for people to come to us and work and be able to pay their bills is is vitally important. And if we are not competitive within the industry, you will see, you know, less and less people coming. Uh, and you, will you go on strike? Is it possible to go on strike? We do not have the ability to go on strike as um, well. We would love to have the ability to it, but we ha- did have the Vince Ready ruling back in two thousand and. Uh, three and four. So, you know, there's no chance of us going out and strike at this point, as long as we have the the language in place that we do. Okay, we're continuing to follow all these issues very closely. closely. Paula, thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. No worries. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Mike Smith Show podcast. Can't wait for the latest episode to drop? Tune into the show live from 9 to noon on 980-CKNW. Want to reach out to me personally with a question or comment? Send me an email, mike at cknw.com. Thanks again for listening.